So we have a very cool uh, special interview coming up today on the podcast. Thanks for listening here to the Film Survivor Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Santilli. And uh, today I'm going to be joined by Mara Reinstein. Uh, Mara Reinstein is a top critic on RottenTomatoes.com. She was the uh, uh, resident movie critic for Us Weekly for several, several years. And she just started her own website, uh, MaraMovies.com. She's one of the top uh, critics in the country, let's say. And uh, she has some Detroit roots, which we'll talk about. And uh, the other cool thing about Mara is that she's actually an avid Survivor fan, and uh, she's been out uh, as a member of the press for several seasons of Survivor, including season 36, uh, which will not air until next fall, or I'm sorry, next spring, spring of 2018. Uh, She was just out there for the beginning of that season. So we have a lot to talk about. Uh, It's a perfect interview for this podcast. It's uh, movies, it's Survivor, and uh, with that... Let's get into it. Here's my interview with Mara Reinstein. So I am joined today with Mara Reinstein. How's it going, Mara? Hey, Tom. How are you? I'm doing great. This, this is a real thrill for me uh, to get a chance to talk to you. I, I've I've admired your your work uh, from afar. I know maybe that sounds a little creepy, but I've I've been a huge fan of your work uh, for quite a while. Uh, so this is just a thrill wow. to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you. I thought it was just my parents. <laughs> but thank you very much who are reading my stuff but not even all the time so thank you very much yeah they're, they're, that random click that comes through in, in addition to the parent clicks that's me once in a while so oh okay well thank you <laughs> <laughs> now we have a lot in common actually uh what i what i was looking at so we're both film critics uh we're both yeah. members of the bfca broadcast film critics association that does you know we vote for this, the critics this is choice true. um we're both from detroit this is true. We're Born both, and raised. Yeah, we're both diehard Tigers fans. I just saw them last night in Seattle. Of course they <laughs> lost. And that's what I was going to say. I, I knew you were in Seattle, and I saw a picture that you posted, and it was heartbreaking. But I, we also have in common that um, I've seen the Tigers play and lose in, in Seattle at Safeco Field. Whoa! <laughs> what an exclusive, amazing club that is joined. I know. <laughs> I, 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 they were up. Two to nothing. I had like marginal hopes that they could pull this out, um, but then the bullpen takes it's over, just, and you know what's coming after that. It's just so. a disaster. I, I part of me wanted to just dedicate the whole podcast to like talking about Brad Osmus, but uh, I figure <sighs> I figure that might not be what people want to hear when they tune into this thing. But yeah, just they're they're a bummer. Detroit sports in general is is like a thing that you just have to you have to experience it to really know the pain. I know. No, I've lived in New York for 20 years, and I really can't take all the bellyaching about New York sports because (laughs) all their teams win, except for the Knicks. I'll give them the Knicks. (laughs) Other than that, I want them to shut up. Yeah. Well, when when you have the Lions, that kind of trumps anybody else's uh, franchise. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. I guess Jets fans don't have it that great either, but whatever. Well, so, and then, of course, in addition to all of those things, we this is a unique, you're like the perfect guest to have on this podcast because I talk a lot about movies, but I also um, am a huge fan and, and, you know, talk a lot about Survivor, and I know that you have uh, a lot of experience as, in the press uh, covering Survivor as well, and you've also voted in the Survivor Hall of Fame, as I have. I have um, um, our mutual friend Gordon yes. <laughs> uh, runs the Survivor Hall of Fame, and I've been on a couple, not more than a couple uh, press 
tripped with him <laughs> and um, a press junkets where we travel the world together. And I, I just got back from my 14th wow. Survivor set visit. Wow. In, and that was, this one was in Fiji. Yeah, it was my second time in Fiji with them. And I know it, 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 it's crazy when you think about it, um, but it's been, it's been definitely a, a life highlight, even though the show, I guess, is not obviously as popular as it is. Like, what could possibly sustain the popularity for 17 years? But it, it, it's been a real thrill to get to go out there all the time. So jealous. I'm so jealous. But I, I think that it's so cool that you were there. You gotta yeah. get yourself out there. I know, dude. You gotta I, get I, out there, Tom. Can I go, like, can you just, get, like, throw me in one of your pieces of luggage or something? Like, I don't know what I have to do to get out there. But I would do it. I would do it in a heartbeat. I would kill myself, probably. I see you guys come back and show all your scars and stuff all over Twitter, too. Like, <laughs> Gordon came back and was like, yeah, here's all the things that I, you know, gained this uh, this time out. Scars, bruises, bug bites. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. If you don't come back with a terrible sunburn and at least <laughs> one person that you don't remember how you got it, then it's not a real survivor <laughs> Um I, I, I've had I've had more than my share, more than my share this year. Would you do um, good on the show? Sorry? Would you do good on the show? Like, are you the kind of person that would, like, compete on Survivor, or is it, like, good enough to just be no. close to it? No, no, no. A lot of people have asked me that over the years, and I don't even have to think twice about it. I feel like my social game would be okay. Like, I'm kind of a silent assassin because right. I'm from Detroit. I have, like, that, like, Midwest innocence to me, <laughs> and people don't realize that um, I can be, like, a silent, like a silent killer mm -hmm. in, in a social game, but... Uh, those physical immunity challenges and reward challenges are so difficult. And more <laughs> importantly, the, shall we say, accommodations of yes. living on the island are for real. Maybe people still think that somehow, like, off-camera people are living it up on beds and showers, but that is not the case. It is really, really tough living conditions. When it rains, you are just rained on all night long. There's, it's impossible to ever feel clean, to ever feel comfortable, uh, to ever feel full. And that is something that I really just have no intention of ever doing. Now, mind <laughs> you, a million dollars, even with the taxes, is a hell of an incentive, but I also value my sanity. So it, it's never happening. I'm fine just watching literally from the sidelines. We have that in common as well. That is, because, yeah, if, if I could retire to like uh, an air conditioned hotel room every night, like I think my social game would kill on Survivor. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I have to give it up to anyone who wins that game every season because, you know, you, you're, you're not sleeping, you're not eating, and your brain is so foggy, and, and to still be a shark like that is, is very admirable. And, and you said now, so you've been out there now uh, as a press member 14 times, um, and of course the, the last season that you just went, witnessed in Fiji is going to be thir season 36, which will come out next spring. Um, I know That's now... Correct. Yeah, I know that you can't. I know you can't discuss details, obviously, of the game itself and that sort of thing. But with the experience of it, now that you've done it a lot of times, do you feel like you have a good indication in those first couple days that you're out there, like who you think might do good? And then once you watch a season, like they, you know, you're like, oh, I knew that guy was going to go far, or I knew that guy would get voted out first. Do you feel like you have a good barometer, or is it still kind of all over the map? 
it's all over the map. There are certain seasons. I remember in back in 2006, I went to the Cook Islands, and that season was significant because that's the year they split the tribes up by race. I mm. still can't believe they did that. Yeah. And I knew, and I interviewed the contestants the day you interviewed the contestants uh, like a couple days before the show actually starts. And I remember that one of the only one contestant, his name was Yule, and he said to me, he's like, I think they're going to divide us up by race. He's like, I can tell what's happening, mm-hmm. and I think this is what's going to happen. And he was just so sharp mm-hmm. and, like, head and shoulders, likable, mm-hmm. and I thought, like, this guy is going to win. And my very first time I went to uh, the first junket was Palau. That was season 10, yep. and I was wow. 20 people, and it was such a long day. My second to last interview was a firefighter from New York named Tom Westman. And even though he was one of the older players, he was so affable. And I just he had such a like a good vibe about him. And I'm like, this guy is my favorite. I think this firefighter is gonna win. And plus, you know, he's a firefighter, he's a good guy. Yeah. Why would you bone him out? And he won. So like there are a couple times I've been right on the money and other times where I would never have pegged like a Cochrane to oh, sure. win, or <laughs> or um, like Parvati even to win mm-hmm. um, the um, the fans versus favorites. I would be heroes versus villains. That was probably my fave. You know, all my favorites were on there. Yeah. And um, um, who who won that heroes versus villains? It should have been Parvati. Oh, Sandra, Sandra. won it yep. twice. I never. I, I never would have pegged Sandra as a two-time winner. I think she just kind of skated by. Mm-hmm. But so I, I, I'd say this. I mean, this is really Survivor geek talk. We're here. We're talking about. <laughs> but I would say I'm, I'm about fifty-fifty. I, do I have a favorite for this one? Sure, but you know, Survivor players have become really, really smart. And yeah. what happens is that the person that I like the most, who seems the most self-assured and strong. Other players pick up on that as well, and they want to get that person out of the game as quickly as possible. So exactly, it's. I think now I also think it affects the game. I think that's why you're not seeing that many great winners lately because all the favorites get weeded out early. So you have some people just kind of slipping through the cracks, yeah. taking it all. That definitely happened on Game Changers. Yeah, yeah, that was oh, a lot. for sure. Yeah. All, for sure, all my favorites were gone in the first half, and it was just like what. <laughs> You kind of you're not going to not watch it at that point, right. but I thought like the top four or five was was pretty ho hum. Yeah, and I mean like like Sarah played a great game, but like she was one of the players when we when the season started that you're everybody was kind of like, huh? Like what is she even doing out there? Like game changer, you know? Like uh, her and Sierra and Haley and a couple of you know those kinds of players. Uh, but I mean she played a great game, but yeah, like nobody's tuning in to watch Sarah Lucina. Let's face it, you know they want to see Malcolm oh, no and way. Tony, right? No, absolutely not. Sorry, I just talked over you. No, but you're like good. That, I was going to say, the, the the finale was like, what, like two, three weeks ago? I already forgot who won. I don't even <laughs> right. remember her name. And, and, I, and I was just out there for Fiji. So that's how forgettable she was. She's a total, I'm sorry, Sarah, maybe you're a nice person, but as a game player, you're a shoulder shrug. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> No, and I'm always interested too. Uh, I, you know, because I'm because I'm so jealous, of, of course, and it's all about me, you know, getting out there. But uh, no, I'm I'm yeah. ju- I'm really jealous uh, to hear. I, I'd like to hear though. How did you get 
um, involved in covering Survivor like professionally? Was it something that kind of kind of spurred off of your your movie critic uh, career, or or like how did you first um, get involved in, in Survivor? Were you a fan of it before you were covering it, or did you start covering it and then became a fan? Um, I start, I remember, I mean, along with like 50 million other people, mm-hmm. I loved the first season. Sure. I remember where I was when I watched the finale. Like that's how <laughs> big of a show it was. Yep. The very first, uh, the very first season in Borneo that was back in 2000. And at the time I wrote for teen people magazine and, and I interviewed all the, the top five and for a monthly team magazine to cover <laughs> a reality show at the time was unprecedented, but sure. that's how big survivor was. I went to us weekly in 2002 and, um, since the beginning, they, they would survivor would have maybe a handful of journalists come out every single season. But when I got to us weekly, there was already a designated survivor person and when he left the magazine, I guess there was a spot opening and everyone knew that I was such a fan. <laughs> and I remember, I mean, I remember very vividly the TV editor asking me like, hey, do you want to go out to Survivor this year? Uh, it was 2004. And I was terrified at the time. I was a really nervous flyer. <laughs> sure. It was a 24-hour flight. Uh, all the way from Newark to Palau with five legs. And I almost turned wow. it down just because I didn't want to be on an airplane for 24 hours. <laughs> sure. I was terrified at the time just flying between New York and Detroit, which is an hour flight. <laughs> and But I, I, I you know, talked myself into doing it. Thank God I did. <laughs> and I, I went every single year. And then the funny thing is that the second time I went was Survivor Guatemala, and I got deathly ill oh, I no. mean deathly ill I brushed my teeth with the water oh, it was an no. okay place we were staying I didn't think anything of it I had five hospital trips my Holy parents moly. wound up my mom wound up coming to New York and taking me on an airplane back to Detroit so I could be hospitalized in Detroit so she could take care of me I had like a terrible like intestinal disease oh, my and I lost. Yeah, no, it was no joke. I mean, even Survivor Medical uh, team was checking in on me because I was so sick. I was really scared. And I got better. And literally three months later, I was back on location in Panama because I'm like, (laughs) you know what? I'm going to get back on that horse. And everyone thought I was nuts. So even though I got so sick the second time out, I still went. 12 more times the survivor and i and, and, and it's you know you're in the middle of nowhere and you it's easy to get sick and you know i remember one season even like jeff probe got bed bugs and then another season mark <laughs> burnett and his son got deathly ill Goodness. from drinking the water at their resort and it just happens you just kind of accept it and you move on and you keep going as part of the adventure and i never stopped going um this season I, I no longer work at us weekly but i um now i i did a freelance thing for a variety mm-hmm. so i was out there for a variety but um this is cbs uh press crew and everyone's been very generous 
with letting me go out there uh, year after year. Well, I'm so happy that you're okay, of course. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> that, that is crazy. But, yeah, talk about not being able to cut it on the show. Uh, Mara Reinstein was medevaced from the press uh, the press tour of Survivor. So that's even, uh, like, uh, yeah, maybe. It is true. <laughs> I still remember at the airport in Guatemala, I told the CBS vice president, um, I'm like, I don't think I can get on this airplane. I'm like, I don't think I can make it on a flight. And he goes, and this is like, we're in now, we're like in this like third world part of like in Managua, like this. And he goes, Mara, I remember this so clearly. He said, Mara, I don't care if I have to put you in a wheelbarrow. You're getting on that airplane. You're getting out of here. So, but like the next day, I was at Lenox Hill Hospital on the Upper East Side. So I, it was, I was, it was very, very scary. Wow. But I survived. Part of the pond, but I, I did survive. Yeah. <laughs> that is a positive. Yes, it's always good to survive. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. you, uh, when you're out there too, I know that the press, uh, you guys get to actually, they, they let you kind of compete, don't they, on some of the challenges or run through some of the challenges? Is that true? Yes, yes. That's always the highlight of every uh, Survivor press trip is that you get to test out one of the challenges, usually the first challenge. And it's a full dress rehearsal. <laughs> you have all the cameras rolling. Jeff Probst is calling the challenge as if you would on TV. Oh, that's amazing. And you compete. It is amazing. And you compete against what's called a dream team, which is like a bunch of like 20-something athletic kids <laughs> who are paid to be out there to test these challenges. So and no competition like, for Mara. Yeah. So at the beginning, you're like, all right, maybe I can do it. And like, guess what? Now it's been 13 years. I could be these people's mother and, (laughs) and you're still competing against it. And it's so difficult. I mean, the the crazy thing is when I first started it out, I was so not athletic and, and I did it. I remember I had to like run in a circle and I was tethered to my entire team and I was the second person out um, since then, I've become a little bit more athletic. I've run a few marathons, but go. it is still extremely nerve-wracking when you're lined up and Jeff Probst is there saying, like, Dream Team versus Press, are you ready? <laughs> yeah, you know, just like he went on the show. Oh, and all of a sudden, you're adrenalized like hell, and you're scared. And, I mean, I this for this time out – uh, the challenge that I ran, I got this like mammoth, and I mean mammoth black and blue bruise on my leg. I have no clue even how it happened. <laughs> no clue. And I still have it. It's been a couple weeks. And people ask me like, what happened? I'm like, I don't remember. Sure. Like you're so in, you're so in the moment that, like I said, you don't, you could basically like lose an appendage and you would still <laughs> keep going on that challenge. You don't want to disappoint your team. You don't want to disappoint chef who's out there calling it and he'll literally be like bar pick it up pick it up so <laughs> is there like yeah, an aussie it, 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 of, of the press team is sorry? there like is, is there like an aussie of the press team like a, a person that like goes out there and dominates year to year uh um dalton ross from entertainment weekly is very athletic in the water and he's like a quick thinker on his feet he never panics but even he, like even he is no match for. I guess there was like a professional basketball player on the dream team <laughs> this year. You know, like you just can't match. You see these like athletic tan kids. And you're like, oh, there is no chance. But sometimes he pulls it out. You know, puzzles. It's you know you can pull it out on the puzzle. I mean, one time Gordon and I 
participated in a running challenge together, and we held hands, which was a good strategy because we were tethered to each other, and we and we did beat them. So it, it can happen. Not all the time, but it can happen. <laughs> well, we could talk Survivor uh, all day long, I, and I wish I could, actually, because uh, I would love to pick your brain more and more about um, going through individual uh, people and players and things like that. But let's shift gears real quick into uh, the movie, yeah. the, the realm of movies. Um so again, okay. I know you were you were a movie critic for for several years for Us Weekly until until recently. I know, um, but one thing I like to explore on this podcast when I talk to other critics is kind of the you know your your personal journey again into how you became a professional movie critic. So many people that I meet casually, you know, they just think that it's like the coolest job in the world. Um, you know, I don't tell them that it's one of you know the lowest paying job in the world either. But uh, you know, <laughs> we just. Uh, there, there's a lot of people that think it's cool. You get to watch movies and write about them and you get, you know, press access to get into all these festivals and things like that. But, um, what, how did it all begin for you and, and, and how did you end up, uh, where you ended up? It, it, it is one of the coolest jobs in the world. I, I will say that, uh, I was at us weekly for several years. The movie critic job opened up. And I told my boss that I wanted to do it. But even though I, at the time, was a senior writer and writing cover stories, it was such a coveted position. I had to apply like every other person. And we did um, a nationwide search, really. And we had really top critics who I respected throw their hats in the ring for that job. And I had to write three sample reviews you know, I had, like, as you, I guess you could say, I had to audition. And the boss of the entire company, Jan Wenner, hmm. who started Rolling Stone, he's a legend in the industry, and he actually loves movie reviews. I mean, Peter Travers is one of the most well respected film critics in the country mm-hmm. at Rolling Stone. And he had to personally give his okay as to who he wanted. I did it for seven years at Us Weekly, and I went to a bunch of film festivals, and I reviewed it. It, it is harder than it looks to review a movie. Oh, you know, sure. most people come out of a movie and say, oh, I liked it, I didn't like it, and they forget about it, and they move on. But mm-hmm. critics have to sit there after and write, like, 500 or so words and be specific and be coherent about what did and what did not work in a movie. And I just left Us Weekly in April, and I loved it so much. And I just was thinking, like, oh, what am I going to do next in my career? And I really didn't want to give it up. Mm-hmm. So I created my own website, maramovies.com, where I still post my reviews and essays and preview guides and festival reports. I do everything I did for us, but I do it for my own site. And I really do it for the love of the game, honestly, just because I, I, I enjoy it so much. Like you said, it does not pay well. And I mean, right now it really doesn't pay at all, (laughs) but I'm plugging away because I I enjoy it so much. And I'm glad that it's gotten such positive feedback from studios. I love this movie coming out on Friday called, the Big Sick, which I which I saw at Sundance yeah. with Kumal Nanjiani from from Silicon Valley and Zoe Kazan, and and Kumal tweeted me yesterday and told me that he loved my review. And That's just awesome. one response like that, <laughs> it means the world. It's 
invaluable to have someone who you respect read your work. You know, it's like, I don't want to be, I don't know how you feel, Tom, but it's like, I don't need stars to like see me and be like, oh my God, I don't need to be <laughs> friends with them. Like, right. I'm not into that. It's yeah. all, there's like, it's a certain level of fakeness. It's Hollywood, you know? Sure. But to, to be, have a little bit of respect in the industry and for you, I'm sure you feel the same way, but to be a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association, to be, have your reviews posted on Rotten Tomatoes, like mm-hmm. to be, to be a player, it, it, it really does mean a lot. I, I really do genuinely enjoy it. I think that's amazing. I, when, yeah, like, uh, when, uh, Kamal, uh, you know, responds to your thing, it's, it's, it's like, uh, I don't want to say validation, but it's like a weird, you know, it, it, you know, a lot of times as a critic or as a writer, even, you know, a lot of times we're just putting out, uh, our words and our thoughts out into the, you know, out into the world. And a lot of times you don't know yeah. where they're going to land or what they're going to impact or if anybody's going to look at them at all, you know, <laughs> or things like that. So it's kind of good, especially when you're, you're passionate about something like you, I didn't see the big sick yet, but, uh, I've heard really awesome things about it and you're very big on it. Um, from what it sounds. So, you know, movies like that, that are, that are impactful to you, uh, to find that people that were involved in making the movie, that they respond to that is really a big thing. Um, I interviewed, uh, David Chase once, uh, about his movie, Not Fade Away. And, uh, Oh, I remember that movie. Yeah. And, um, I asked him a question in the interview. Um, you know, I, I asked him, what does success mean to you or how do you define success or something like that? And it took him off guard. It was not like his normal junket question <laughs> that he that he was used to uh-huh. receiving, and uh, he, it really kind of made an impact on him. And then um, the next day, uh, they his studio his people contacted me to have have me have the pull quote on the Blu-ray release or whatever. So I was like, oh my god, wow. yeah. I'm like, uh, like I don't know if that's why, but like I've never had that happen before. It was when I was writing for Examiner.com, but I feel like it was because. Uh, you know, and it was just me really being interested. Like, I'm sitting down with David Chase. Like, yeah, I want to talk about his movie, but like, this is one of my idols. I'm gonna ask him. Like, hey, man, you know, <laughs> what is success? How do you? What do you define success as? That was important to me. And I'm gonna ask you that same question too, because that's one of my things I, I like to ask people. How does Mara Reinstein uh, define success? Well, first of all, I'm definitely gonna have to steal that question the <laughs> next time I interview somebody, because that's a great question. <laughs> How do I define success? Well, you know, you're asking me at a very tenuous moment yeah, sure. how, you, how, you, how you define success. I mean, for me, I feel that success is um, when your name means something mm-hmm. in the industry. Sure. And um, I remember one of my favorite movies of all time. This is a random one. It is that Tina Turner biopic, What's Love Got to Do With It, December of 93. I love that movie. It's my favorite music bio. And okay. I remember that scene where she's in the courtroom fighting against Ike Turner, and she gives him everything, but she says that she gets to keep her name uh, because he named her Tina Turner. And, you know, she was born anime Black. I don't even know if that happened in real life, but I'm going to pretend that it did. Sure. But I, that is the definition. Like, when you see the name Mara Reinstein, forget even if you don't even know how to pronounce it correctly, but if you <laughs> see it and it means something and you're like, oh, like I trust her. Sure. I like her. I know what she's going to write about and I know I'm in for a, a good story or a, a review that I can agree with or disagree with mm-hmm. passionately. So to have a name 
and whatever you do, it doesn't even have to be writing and anything. If you see that name and, and it has a, a meaning, that to me is a success. Like you just don't want to be a name or, in the, or face in the crowd, if you will. Sure. No, that's great. And then, uh, you know, with that, um, do you find that, you know, in terms of that, in terms of this, this search for success, a lot of people kind of have different ideas as to what even like a film critic is or what their role is. And I know a lot of times it, it's been the trend really, you know, over the years, it's one of the things that people cut, you know, papers are going away. Uh, and with them, a lot of the, the, you know, a lot of the movie reviewers were you know, print journalists. Uh, so a lot of them are going away and it's kind of a morphing thing. Then you got these aggregate sites like, you know, Rotten Tomatoes and, um, Metacritic and all these kinds of sites, but what? How do you define? Like, what's your idea of what the role of a film critic is? Is it is it to recommend to others what they should or should not watch? Is it you know to just start discussion about things? Like, do you have uh, like an idea of what you how you define the the role of a film critic in today's world? That's a great question too. I think the answer is a little bit of all of the above. I don't mean to cheat your question, mm-hmm. but it, in a way, you know, anyone can anyone could write on rotten tomatoes on user comments and say if they liked it or not Mm -hmm. you know like it's not you're not giving a yelp review when you you review a movie you're not you know you want to have a little bit of intelligent criticism there but you you also want to give them something thought-provoking as as well and you know this is 2017 there's tons of entertainment options out there there's like a thousand things to stream every single day Going to a movie theater is expensive, so there is, like, essentially, yeah, you want to say, like, you want to put your money toward A or do not, or do not want to put it toward movie B, mm-hmm. but you also want to give them a really intelligent reason as to why. You also want to maybe put some movies on their radar that maybe they would not give the time of day to think about. I just wrote a post about why I'm not going to review Transformers. And I mean, <laughs> like, Transformers is low-hanging fruit. Right. And you're either going to, um, you know, if you're into the franchise, you're going to see it. Most people are like, oh, I know what I'm going to get. Why am I going to pay 20 bucks? They're not going to see it. I don't think a, a review is going to make or break. I right. think for Wonder Woman, is a different case, though. I think you really do see the influence of, of critics in a movie that maybe people were on the fence on. Mm-hmm. Gal Gadot, Patty Jenkins, like those are not household names. Wonder Woman had never had her own movie, mm-hmm. but it had such enormous critical goodwill that I think it did get people to the theater. So they can be influencers. You just want them to use the power, to use a superhero term. You want them to use their power for good and, mm-hmm. and not for evil. So I, I do think there are there are lots of roles for a movie critic, and I think it's important now more than ever because there are so many people who want to chime in, even on social media, <laughs> yeah. allows it. Like anyone could essentially be a movie critic. You've got it really. It makes that us all want to step up our game because of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Uh, now, now, did you find it? Is it freeing at all for you to to some you know in some ways to have your own thing? Like I know, like a lot of us, you know, work with editors and things like that when we were writing. But to have your own website, maramovies.com, to be doing your own thing, is it in any way has it been a freeing kind of a, an experience? It's been absolutely liberating. Now I am the exception, whereas Us Weekly, you know, not a lot of people went to Us Weekly for movie reviews. Okay. They were into, so that guy, that kind of Kardashian, has never been really in a movie. <laughs> sure. So I, I had pretty good autonomy <laughs> at Us Weekly, where I wasn't like 
heavily edited, but there were some you get you can play like a little more fast and loose with the language. Right. Little things like you putting like asserting your opinion more often in it. But overall, there's not. It, I wouldn't say it's extremely liberating because I'm still reviewing a bunch of movies <laughs> and movie, movies that I don't like. I'm still gonna go see if I know that there's interest in it. But it, it it's it's scary. It is a bit like jumping off a tall. I'm literally looking out of the tall building in Seattle right now. Type my <laughs> hotel window. It is a little bit of yeah. It is a little bit like jumping out a window because you know I don't have the Us Weekly brand name behind me. I have mm. my own name. I'm talking about names like. This website is going to live or die based on my own name. So I'm betting on myself in a lot of ways. Um, I, hope, I hope it turns get back to me in a year. Tom. I hope, <laughs> hope I'll, I'll be all right. <laughs> well, I think you've done so good. At, I mean, at least from where I come from, I think that you've done such a good job at establishing your your name that I think I think that's awesome. I think really that's the dream. Like if it, if in a year. Um, you know, I'm calling to get your secretary to see if I can get you on my podcast. And she's like, oh, you know, Mara's, I don't know. Well, she'll get back to you. Um, if that's happening in a year, like I'll, that's. I'll give, I'll give my mom, I'll give my mom your phone number. She will be my secretary. Perfect. There you go. And I know. But also, you know, there aren't a lot of female movie critics. I, I got to sure. say we're in, we're in the minority. Most movie critics are older men mm -hmm. who do not give it up so easily and they they know it's a cushy job that's why they've had it forever mm -hmm. and you know the younger generation a lot of them are so steeped in like comic-con and different universes and like there aren't a lot of just like mainstream female movie critics who will go out and write 700 words about rough night on whether it's really a girl's night out movie or not. I understand that with like wives and moms who want to get out, but are careful about where to put their money. Yep. So it's like, a I have like a little bit of a different demographic than most other movie critics. So I think that might help also. That's a great niche. And I think again, like I think if, if this succeeds for you, which I'm of course rooting for you, uh, I feel like, Thank you. Uh, you know, this is the dream though. I mean, I think everybody would kind of, you know, like you said, it's, it's going for that, that name recognition and, uh, which you already have established. But like, if you can, if Mara movies is suddenly being, you know, quoted on, you know, Termin or uh, Transformers 10 or whatever will come out next summer. I'm sure we'll <laughs> have four or five by then. Uh, you know, that's the dream really, isn't it? To kind of create your own thing and have it be successful. Uh, honest to God, Tom, if uh, Mara, I've been, cause I've been quoted on a lot of Blu-rays and DVDs mm -hmm. and posters, but I, you know, you don't know if it's because of me or if it's because of Us Weekly. Sure. If, I ever, if there ever comes a point where I am quoted on something as marmovies.com, I think that would be the ultimate definition of success in the industry because it, it is really just a one-woman show at this point, and I don't have that big brand behind me. So, I mean, that really, you're absolutely right. We'll, we'll, we'll see. It's only been a couple of months. We'll, we'll see where we are in a year. Are you listening, Kamal Nunjiani? Uh, Mara loves your movie. I think that you should uh, use a pull quote for your DVD release. There you go. Jamal, we're all friends. Do we're it besties. Up. That's right. Yes. Um. Now I'd be oh, remiss too. Tim and, and Lionsgate. Yeah. So sorry. Lionsgate. Go ahead. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'd be remiss too. Uh, you know, I I follow you of course on Twitter as everybody should, and 
I saw recently that's like some, I think it was a different article, but the, the headline was something along the lines like, you know, can Hugh Jackman um, possibly win for uh, an Oscar for Logan? And then you answered right. with uh, a very distinct no. <laughs> the no. answer is no. No. You're <laughs> so, disagreeing with me on let, this Let's one? talk about Logan. Yeah, to me, uh, yeah, uh, Logan was, I, I'm big on Logan. Uh, I thought it was one of the cooler okay. movies this year. I liked it a lot. What did, what did Mara think on Logan? I didn't love Logan. I thought it was a mixed bag. I thought it was so in love with its rated R rating that it just was so gratuitously violent, and it was it really strayed from the franchise that we knew. I can see why people liked it. If that makes any sure. sense. Oh yeah. But it just I thought that like once they were on the road. It was like any fine. So it's a superhero movie. It's not. It's not. Or it's not like your typical superhero movie. It's just like any other drama with two adults trying to protect some special kid in the back seat. It, like <laughs> I've seen it before. Like last year we saw a movie. Um, oh God, of course I'm blanking on the name. Um, <laughs> with Adam Driver and oh. you know Michael Shannon. Um, Gosh. Uh, where they had that that kid is in the back seat with the glasses. Of course, now I'm blanking on it. Thank you That's very good. much. We'll, we'll insert but, it later in we, post. We, <laughs> what? I said we'll insert it in post later. Well, yeah. Well, Lauren, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, well, yeah, but like I've just seen that before where like there's a special person and we have to protect her. We're on the road and we're looting the bad guys. It was fine. Hugh Jackman, I love Hugh Jackman. I am a huge fan of Hugh Jackman. I think he's enormously talented. I'm <laughs> Still mad he did not win an Oscar for Les Miserables. Oh, yeah. It was amazing in that movie. The fact that it's the same actor who can do Logan and Jean Valjean <laughs> is incredible. However, there is no way, there is no way Hugh Jackman is giving an Oscar nomination for Logan. It ain't happening. It is not happening. I will like literally, I'm holding a remote control. I will literally eat it if Hugh Jackman is nominated for an Oscar. Now, I'm not, listen, he's got another movie coming out this fall he plays pt barnum that he could get nominated for that is your oscar showcase there you go it's a fall movie it's a biopic so i can't do a bait and switch i can't do a bait and switch and and call you out when he wins for pt barnum because i because this is for logan you're saying he cannot win for logan he cannot win. He cannot win for Logan. It's it's no way. Like the only movie that could possibly get some superhero love is Wonder Woman. They're not going to give it to Wonder Woman and to Logan. This isn't the MTV Awards. Sorry, <laughs> Oscars. It is not happening. I think Logan is one of the best films of the year so far. Is what I think. But I'm also biased. Okay. I'm also very wrong a lot. I'm a, I'm a huge. Uh, my first job ever was at a comic book store. And I'm a huge, like, comic book nerd, and usually when I watch a comic book movie, I'm kind of like, you know, well, they didn't, uh, you know, do this properly to his you know, origin. You know, so this, I'm really geeky and kind of overqualified sometimes to, <laughs> to really give my uh, my review on a, on a superhero film. But uh, I really thought that it would, like you said, it's, you know, it's hard nowadays to have anything feel original. Uh, a lot of times what people are doing are it's kind of like if you can mix certain genres, though, and do it effectively where it feels kind of new, I think that's kind of like mm-hmm. the new original. 
So I felt like, yeah, they definitely it was a road movie. Um, you know, elements of the road, the, the typical road movie, uh, like you said, where they're just protecting a kid in the backseat. <laughs> We've seen elements of that before. We've definitely seen superhero movies before, but the way they kind of did it in an adult way with adult themes and uh, just the, the cinematography of it, I just, I felt like it was, it stood out amongst other superhero films, which I guess isn't saying that much. It's like being valedictorian at summer school, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess, That's I, yeah. That's a great metaphor. Oh, thanks. You know, but to me, then Hugh Jackman, I just thought was good in it. But it's also to the point where I feel like this year in general has kind of been a lackluster year. There hasn't been a ton of movies I've loved this year. How about you? Other than I know you mentioned The Big Sick, is that a movie like good enough to like you know for like award consideration? Maybe Golden Globe comedy, The Big Sick. I think okay. uh, there's only been one legitimate movie that will get awards consideration thus far and that's get out i feel like sure jordan peele has a good shot and at an original screenplay nomination because it really was an original movie Mm -hmm. but um this is what you see every year you know like you get you get a bunch of big blockbusters in the summer you get some like Indies that couldn't make the final cut in the fourth quarter and the first quarter mm. of every year. So it, it, it's kind of small potatoes. And then what happens is that Labor Day rolls around, the Telluride in Toronto and the Venice Film Festival start up. And then it's a glut of prestigious pedigreed movies every single weekend until the end of the year. So this is always what happens. There's, there's not much going on until September. So what in September you're going to have like Battle of the Sexes with Emma Stone and mm-hmm. Steve Carell playing Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King. Yep. So and that's just in September. You're you're they're all going to come your way. Including that Hugh Jackman movie. There's so many. The Glass Castle with Brie Larson. It, it, it just you, so we will not be having this conversation in like eight months. <laughs> There's no way you're going to be like, oh, there are too many good movies out there. How do I find them all? Like, this is this is part of the course in in at the end of June. I, I do love articles like that though because you can basically just put whatever you want in the headline and then it's becoming a talking point out of nowhere. You know, like you know, could yeah, <laughs> could uh, Vin yeah, Diesel it's, it's, win an Oscar? I know. Like no, but you know, now that there's an article on it, people are actually thinking about it. You know what I mean? It's like weird. It, it is. It, it always is. It's like this every summer you could say, oh, why are there so many sequels? No more sequels. No more remakes. I'm like, where have you been the past three years? That's all <laughs> summer movies are, are sequels and remakes. Nothing is going to change. This is how it is. End of story. Yeah, you li- like you said, you could literally plug in any year. It's the same story. The, the best you can hope for is one or two gems that come along early in the year that you try to like fight for and remind people about You know, when it comes to the fall. like That's yep. usually the best you can hope for. Uh, right. I would say there's one or two, like a Mad Max Fury Road that came out in May that mm-hmm. lasted all the way through the year. Well, there was one or two, maybe, I think, like I said, this year it will be Get Out, maybe Wonder Woman and special effects because they're trying to make a statement. <laughs> maybe. I'm not the, I mean, I thought the movie was, was good. I just think it was amazing, Wonder Woman. I, but I, yeah. I understand why. Yeah, I, I, I understand why it's an important movie. Um but I think those are your two movies that will, from the first six months of the year that will even be remotely talking about by December when every critics group gives their awards out. Now, you With might, everything yeah. else will, will, 
yeah, everything else is going to be a long forgotten. Exactly. And you mentioned a couple movies too, but what what are you personally, are there any movies that you personally are looking forward to uh, for the remainder of 2017? Well, yeah, the, the, the two movies that I just mentioned, I, I definitely <laughs> am looking forward to. I love the book, The Glass Castle. It's one okay. of my favorite books ever. Mm-hmm. So I, I am excited for, for Brie Larson and, and Naomi Watts right. in that one. And um, of course, um, that and then the, the Steven Spielberg is coming out with the movie uh, about the Washington Post with with Meryl Streep and you know a Spielberg December movie you gotta like sit up straight and pay attention to it sure. especially in this day and age where the Washington Post and all print journalism is under so much scrutiny so I that's one I am definitely looking forward to that will be out in December. Uh, Richard Linkletter has a war movie that's going to be premiering at the New York Film Festival. And, you know, a lot of these film festivals, they like to keep their lineups under wraps. So we don't, we still don't know what is going to be pushed up in time for award season. Obviously, keep a lookout on that Hugh Jackman movie as well. There's, like, Murder on the Orient Express with a bunch of random stars in it, like mm-hmm. Johnny Depp and... Um, you know, this Derek Jacoby, it's a Shakespearean actor, like so many randoms in that one. So we we will definitely see. I think I think every year I, around Oscar season, I am never disappointed. Oh, Alexander Payne has a movie coming out. One of my favorite filmmakers with sure with uh, Matt Damon and, and Reese Witherspoon. I think I believe are in his movie. I love, give me an Alexander Payne movie, I, the, the Descendants, mm-hmm. Election, about Schmidt. Mm-hmm. I think he's so talented. So there's a lot of good ones coming out, Tom. Like we, we'll, we'll reconvene, and we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about how many great movies there are. Yeah, and I'll leave you with that. The last film just to, I just wanted to bring up was, are you at all excited about Detroit, uh, the, the Catherine Bigelow movie coming out uh, here in a couple months? Yeah, I know. It's funny. We, we've gone this far and haven't talked about it. Of course <laughs> I'm excited. It's been... It, there's a lot of like secrecy behind this movie. Yeah. I I feel like there's not a lot of a lot a lot of publicity. I mean, everyone knows it's about the 1967 riot. It's curious that it's coming out in early August. That's not where you want to see mm-hmm. an Oscar contender in sure. early August. You know, last year Suicide Squad opened up on that weekend. Yes. That's what that's what usually it is. So <laughs> it's an interesting release date choice so i i i i don't know i'm so intrigued about it Catherine bigelow her last two movies were obviously excellent zero dark 30 the hurt locker Mm -hmm. she's very judicious about her movie choices so i hope it's a winner i obviously i'm really really rooting for it i can't wait to see it the first trailer for it that i saw like i was kind of like thrown back a little bit it seemed like it wasn't really going to be about the riots maybe that would be like the backdrop and then it was like this weird like house break-in thing and i was kind of wondering you know it kind of threw me off with what i thought i was envisioning it might be uh then, i know yeah. i know they, they just came out with this last trailer though it looks a little bit more interesting it focuses more on john boyega's character uh, so uh-huh. I, yeah, I just I feel like I'm having like you said, you know, Catherine Bigelow has been uh, so, you know, just you know great lately with her choices and things like that. That I'm kind of just hoping I'm kind of relying on her and giving her some trust at this point that it's gonna pull out and, and be a good movie. Hopefully that lasts. 
I, 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 I'm with you. I, I, I think so too. It's funny. I try not to watch trailers. I want to go in completely fresh you into go. a movie. I, but this one, I couldn't. I, I couldn't resist. But <laughs> uh, we'll see. We, you know what, Tom? We, if we give a benefit of the move of the doubt to any movie, we have to give it to a movie called Detroit. <laughs> That's as true. As native Detroiter. So, <laughs> Absolutely. So let's let, 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 let's root for it. Let's root for it for sure. Um, if we talked in another year from now, is, is Brad Ausmus still the coach of the Detroit Tigers, manager of the Detroit Tigers? No. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go bold here. I'm gonna say no. He will not be the manager. He has a sub 500 record. <laughs> He's had plenty of talent to work with in his duration in his tenure. Like, see, there's no reason why they should be five games under 500 at this point. I just seeing them uh, last night. There was not a. They played with sort of a lackluster. Lester yeah. Ian Kinsler, you know, or mm-hmm. Jose Iglesias. I just don't see the fire. And I think it comes from the manager. And I know a lot of uh, pros think that a manager can only do so much. He's not out there playing, but they got to do something to shake it up. They really do. I, I don't think Brad, man, I don't think Brad office will be the manager. Sorry, Brad. I knew I liked you, Mara. I knew I liked you. We totally agree right. on that as well. <laughs> well, All right. Good. Th- this has been a real thrill again for me. Uh, you know, it was great chatting with you. Why don't you, uh, uh, let people know again about your website and how people can find you on social media. It's thank you. Thanks for letting me do the shameless plug. <laughs> it's very easy. Maramovies.com, M-A-R-A movies.com. Twitter at Mara Reinstein, M-A-R-A-R-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N. Instagram at Maramovies. Um, and I am like ridiculously easy to find on social media. Um, <laughs> So um, I, I appreciate any and all comments and all feedback. And thank you so much for having me on. It's been a thrill. Yeah, this was super cool. So, yeah, thank you again. And uh, we will, uh, as they say, see you at the movies. <laughs> Sounds good. See you at the movies. <laughs> all right. That'll do it for the Film Survivor Podcast for this week's edition. Uh, again, I'm Tom Santilli. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Tom Santilli. My website is TomSantilli.com. And uh, coming up in the couple next weeks here, um, I'm trying to line up a really special interview with a uh, big-named actor, actually. Uh, maybe you've heard of him. His name is Sam Elliott. He's the star of a new movie coming out called The Hero. And uh, I might just be talking with Sam next week, so I'll let you know about that. I also, uh, on the docket, have... Uh, uh, Adam Graham lined up of the Detroit News. People who watch me on Critically Speaking on Fox 2 know that Adam is also on the show, uh, opposite Lee Thomas and myself. So uh, Adam has a new series coming out in theaters uh, where he's going to be um, screening and then doing a Q&A on uh, movies from the 90s. Uh, that'll be happening in the Detroit area. But anyway, Adam Graham's an awesome uh, animated guy, and that should be a good interview as well. So lots to stay tuned with here on the Film Survivor Podcast as we uh, barrel through the summer here. And again, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will be talking to you soon. Thanks.